Welcome back to season 11, episode 19 of the Digital Orthopedics Podcast, where we bring you the extraordinary lectures from the DocSF Experience 2023, brought to you in partnership with the Department of Orthopedic Surgery at the University of California, San Francisco. My name is Dr. Stefan Obini. I work at UCSF, and I will be your host for this podcast. In our next episode, you'll hear from Vinit Agarwal about surgical scheduling 2.0. Please join me as we welcome Mr. Agarwal to the DocSF stage. I don't know if you realize this. This is a fantastic week to be here. Dr. Beanie may have chosen this and maybe he didn't know at the time. We're bookended by an amazing event that's about to happen on Saturday. Anyone know what that is? It's the coronation, right? It's a big deal for a lot of people. But what it started with, so I, I did not have a story to tell about crossing the Atlantic, and I was looking for how I would start this conversation. And I stumbled upon this story. 30 years ago, this week, something called the World Wide Web was released into public domain. But all of us have been beneficiaries of this. All of us here have been beneficiaries of this. I am old enough. I was a college student, a young, naive college student in 1993 when this was released. But I knew then that this was going to be something that will change the way we live our lives. I did not know how it would change in many different ways in which it has. And all of you are aware of this now. This talk is not about the World Wide Web. The reason this appealed to me was because of the premise upon which the founders, the founding researchers at CERN came up with the idea of the World Wide Web. If you take a look at this, their concept was almost everything which you needed to know in your daily life was written down somewhere, typically written down in a computer somewhere. If it could only be tied together and made accessible, everything would be so much easier for everybody. Does that resonate with anyone here? Dr. Beanie mentioned earlier, and that was actually very poignant, perhaps more than he thought it might have been, motion. Human beings have not changed. Motion of human beings has not changed. Our template has not changed. This is very, very broad, obviously, but I'm gonna relate this to my experience recently, 30 years ago versus now, and getting a simple procedure at an outpatient surgery center. 30 years ago, I had to call, make one phone call. This time I had to make three phone calls, one to get a pre-auth, one to get an MRI, one to get et cetera, et cetera. But they were phone calls interrupted by some automated feature in the middle. Obviously, a lot of systems have changed. A lot of systems are new, a lot more systems. But from my experience as a patient and from the experience of the person on the other side, did a lot dramatically change? And could a lot dramatically change? I ask you. I'll try to answer this in a more simplified fashion, even more simplified. So who was here for Dr. Warner's presentation earlier this morning? Dr. Ast asked him a very good question. What was the answer to the first question? Two words. This is Dr. Warner, who's a big deal, we all know. Inventory management. I lived this life, by the way. I'm going to tell you the story from a different way. Three years ago, at the height of the pandemic, I was managing very, very intelligent people in Japan, New Zealand, Australia, Korea, who were essentially sitting by their phones, trying to figure out how to support the incredibly intelligent surgeons, essentially by making their way to the dock. That was the life. You live this life, the pre-surgical case coordination. We hear a lot of hey, I've got 300 different things that I need to take care of. Can some of those, can any of those, can a few of those be automated? Just those redundant ones. This is one of those redundant ones. Seems simplistic, but it is something that at least what we are told is, hey, you know what? 
this is not something I want to worry about. This is not something I want to cause the oh shit moment. There's no kids here, right? Everyone got the problem? So this is our solution. The concept is not to change the workflows, not to create any new technologies, use the existing technologies, use the existing workflows. Everybody uses an EMR now, everybody uses a PAC system. They can be connected seamlessly, and then you can deliver those information to the right stakeholders at the right time and automate based on some adaptive way to include the surgeon preferences, et cetera, et cetera. All the templating, everything can be automated, and then all the stakeholders are kind of seamlessly connected. Reasonably simple solution as well. I like simple solutions, by the way. Everybody here gets this, right? So this is us here. And the two points that I want to make here, and I think Dr. Beanie has said this over and over again, one is the ecosystem that we live in, that the surgeons and also the staff and the patient lives in, is not in any one setting. It's not in a private practice by itself. It's not in an outpatient center by itself. And it's not an inpatient center by itself. All of those need to be connected. And that is what our intent and goal is. That patient, that surgeon's traveling between that ecosystem, and we would like to coordinate seamlessly within that ecosystem. And the second point I wanna make is automation is not automation if somebody else is doing the job of somebody that was previously being done by somebody else. We do, and we don't try to do everything, and I don't think anyone should try to do everything. And as part of that, we do try to automate all around us and all around each one of our kind of partners, if you will. And for that, we use a lot of technology partners, some of whom are here today, actually. So this is obviously delivering benefits as well to the system. There was a point the previous speaker made about incentives. I could not agree more. Incentives work. Incentives drive behavior. The two points I want to make here are, while nobody here may be impacted by all of these incentives, everyone here is impacted by an incentive. And what I am open to discussing is how do you get the decision maker, the user, and the person who's actually going to be impacted or who cares about the metric all in the same place. Not all of that happens. I liken that to lining up ducks who are all swimming in different ponds. I'm open to suggestions on that. Here's a quick video from Dr. Robert Maley, who's here in the Bay Area, CalPAC Orthopedics. So I'm Dr. Robert Maley from San Francisco, California. I've been practicing now just over 10 years um, and focused mainly on hip and knee replacements. Things don't fall through the cracks like they could have in the past. Um, now all cases are, are planned um, ahead of time. Um, so we have a better idea of inventory that might be needed, of potential trays that might be uh, needed, you know, for example, hardware removal, or if it's a revision of some sort, you know, what type of implants um, are in there. It's a more seamless communication amongst the whole team. As soon as the case is planned through Doxpera, um, the sales associate can see it, I can see it, my PA can see it. The, the surgical site can see it. Um, so it, it saved us time in terms of pre-op planning, communication, and then also to anticipation of inventory needs. So this is the vision, right? This is the vision is to line up each one of these components so that patient's journey and so to the surgeon's journey can, many components of that can be automated. And you can see a lot of opportunities here, I'm sure. And Dr. Beanie's done a fantastic job of kind of pulling a lot of these pieces together. So hopefully this is the point we'll get to in the future. Final words from Dr. Sally. We never bump against the threshold of resource utilization and resource shortages, and we hope that we don't. But because that risk is always there, I think we constantly have to be ready to reshuffle, reorganize, and be prepared to move large volumes of patients on a moment's notice. It's a big deal. And with the limited staff that we have right now, any way we can automate that would be huge. 
that last quote that he just said is actually what wakes me up every single morning, any way that you can automate that. But what I'm going to leave you with is this. This is what I think, what we think is needed automation by data, removal of redundant processes are the precursors to enabling the power AI. I really appreciate it and thank you for your time. Excellent. Thank you for showing us that, that perspective. And as I was listening, the integration with the EMR piece is a piece that you didn't quite mention, because that's a big part of what you can do. Where are we with that now that we have, um, I mean, just clarified for everybody that it can be done? It can absolutely be done. It's very possible. We've spent the last eight years working. There's now, what, I think over 60 different EMRs. So that's... 259. 259. Okay. So each one has a different mechanism, a different way that they keep their data. That's the challenge, how to tokenize that data. And then how do you match that with the imaging as well? So, but we've spent a lot of time and effort on it. It's something I think we do well. And I think it's something that hopefully will take us to this next level. Yeah. And also... Uh, we actually have, are fortunate enough to use your product at UCSF. And one of the things that we just learned that we can actually use it for research. That's a really interesting, uh, hadn't thought about concept about how to use some of these data sets and how to find patients and track them as well. So thank you so much for coming and joining us today. Thank you again for listening to the Digital Orthopedics Podcast brought to you by the Digital Orthopedics Conference San Francisco. If you find the talks as incredibly informative and topical as we did, please do share this podcast with your friends and leave us a nice review on your podcast player choice. We really appreciate it.